Unbreak Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, and today our topic is Ayurveda again. Since this is a whole medical system, I thought that it deserves a whole nother show. And tonight our guest is Debbie Mueller, clinical Ayurvedic specialist, president of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association, and creator of Patterns for Living. Now, as a clinical Ayurvedic specialist, can you tell us why Ayurveda is translated as the ancient science of living life in balance? I would be delighted to. Ayurveda brings to our awareness how everything that impacts us in our world needs to be taken into account to allow us to find our own center, to really find the things that work for us knowing that everyone, every situation has many, many different elements that need to be taken into account. And when we can begin to really understand the individual, the uniqueness, it allows us then to identify areas where balance needs to occur or where imbalance exists and then apply the kinds of capabilities that Ayurveda has given us to really bring back that balance. I guess the natural follow-up question is, why is balance so important to our health? Well, when we're out of balance, we seem to always be working at the ends of the spectrum. And when we're at the ends of the spectrum, we're either doing too much or we're doing too little. It doesn't allow us to get a good flow in our life. It doesn't allow us to be aware of what's happening in our life on all levels, whether it's our personal, professional, family, other organizations that we may be involved with. So it's incredibly important that we come from that place of balance because it allows us then to have a perspective that gives us clear vision, that gives us the opportunity to be able to make good decisions, to really understand what is going to support us and also what can support those around us so that we can have a more compassionate, loving, and generous vision of one another. Ayurveda medical appointments are quite different than appointments with a regular doctor, aren't they? Absolutely. It's one of the most important things that drew me into the practice. I had the experience, of course, of going to my regular physician and having just those few minutes to be able to express what was going on or any problem that I was seeing. They simply didn't have the time to be able to ask the questions. And I found that very often I would leave the experience feeling like there was something missing, that I had not shared everything that I need to. When I first see a client and bring them in, the original appointment actually takes up to two hours because I'm having a conversation. I'm looking at some very, very deep information. I'm gathering a lot of detail about not only their health and wellness, but about their life and their lifestyle and all of the players and the activities that go on within their day and their daily regime. Then I look at them to start finding those patterns that are either creating health and balance for them or are tipping them to the ends of the spectrum one way or the other. And that takes time. It takes building a rapport. It takes actually doing the kind of evaluation that was given to us through the major writings of Ayurveda, particularly from the Charaka Samhita, that tells us we need to really understand the patient before we can actually do any kind of treatment, before we can make any kind of assessment of what needs to happen next. So 
the time that's invested in actually seeing a client for an Ayurvedic appointment is so expanded. It also gives the opportunity for the client as they're coming in to actually express themselves, to have the comfort of thinking about what they need to say, and then being able to actually feel heard by that practitioner who they're working with. Debbie, what has NAMA's role been in the development and growth of Ayurveda in the United States? NAMA actually started approximately in 1998 with four very passionate people who were interested in Ayurveda. And they came together with an acknowledgement that it was incredibly important to create a structure that could support the growth of Ayurveda as a profession that we could actually bring the kind of information in that is classically was classically provided and also begin to incorporate it into the life and the locations where we all lived. So NAMA came together from the vision of those four people to allow that structure to develop that will allow us then to be supportive. It became the focus, the mission, for that group to actually create an organization that would represent the Ayurvedic profession in the U.S. and to allow the organization to help to preserve, to protect, to improve and promote the philosophy, the knowledge, the science, and the practice of Ayurveda for the benefit of everyone, not just those who are practicing Ayurveda, but for the communities that we live in, for the world that we live in, for the organizations within which we operate. So the goal of NAMA was very much to take a leadership role, and the purpose of creating that structure was to develop an organization that could hold the space and create the processes and foundation to be able to see this incredibly wonderful and ancient wisdom and practice become something that could be accepted here in the United States and to actually grow, blossom, and become really a benefit to the organizations and the communities we live within. When we talk about how the National Ayurvedic Medical Association, or NAMA, supports the practitioners of Ayurveda, exactly what does NAMA do to help its members? Well, one of the the most important things that we have done is to provide continuing education opportunities. Since 2003, NAMA has hosted an annual conference where we actually invite key people that are wise teachers as well as researchers, as well as people who are learning about and bring to the whole picture another element of understanding so that we can continue to gather community, we can bring people together because there are a few of us right now and it gives us the opportunity to come together as a membership, as a community, to support one another, to know that we're not alone, and at the same time to offer education, to offer information so that we can continue our growth within that. But not only that, NAMA also has a number of various committees where we really do the key work that needs to be done to help build this foundation and create this structure. NAMA has gone to great detail in creating standards, and they have grown over the years. When we first opened our professional category to invite people to come in and actually be practitioner-level members, 
the standards were much lower than they are at this point and that we're working to create within the organization. But we started somewhere. We recognized that it was important to build, to take a foundation, to build upon that foundation. That meant that we had to reach out to schools, to other key practitioners, to people who were key members of our community, and to bring them all into conversation so that we could begin to understand what was happening within our country and how Ayurveda could actually fill in to be the support for this new emerging opportunity as a profession. It's really allowed NAMA to create a diverse number of experiences for the various people who have served on the boards, the committees, and our members to begin to express their concerns as well as to find answers for how to address those concerns and how to move our profession forward. And speaking of that, I wanted to follow up and talk about how NAMA supports the profession of Ayurveda. We talked a little bit about standards. Are you working on developing any recognized credentials? Absolutely. Right now, the Standards Committee is very deep into the process of, as I mentioned, creating increasing standards that actually will support the growth of the profession. We're looking at setting the standards for different levels and scopes of practice. They're addressing what are the requirements for education, what are the requirements for actual internship and practice, what kinds of things need to be included for someone to be able to say that they're an Ayurvedic practitioner or moving forward even at a higher level than a, a lifestyle consultant. There's a lot that, of growth that has to take place in order to allow that. And the Standards Committee is actually working very, very deeply on identifying the various levels that will allow us to let people who are interested in pursuing Ayurveda as a profession to know the levels of growth, the next steps to take, what they need to do to be able to actually have that kind of background and experience that the not only other Ayurvedic practitioners and members can understand, but also that we can portray to our communities and to the public at large. Now, The Standards Committee actually is a very important place for the development of these kinds of levels of information so that we can then give that kind of support to our community at large. And particularly because all kinds of certifications, whether it's licensure, whether it is through a health freedom concept where there is allowance for practice, all of those things have to be in place at the state level. What NAMA is giving is that supportive information, that supportive context within which every state could then take that information and identify that we have a good number of individuals who are actually practicing, that there is a standard of practice that is required, that there is a scope of practice for which people are responsible to act within, and then each state can take that and adapt it according to their needs. So NAMA has to take the lead in creating these kinds of processes in order to be supportive of the state level where all of the next level of work has to take place. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. 
It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. What are some of the various levels of practitioners right now in the United States? Well, it's interesting that our practitioners are made up of a number of different categories. We actually have people who have come into Ayurveda from many walks of life. They may have been lawyers or IT uh, specialists, or they may have had some other connection with the medical or healthcare industries. But they've really become more interested in pursuing the more natural, more, more holistic approach to healthcare. So some of these people have come in and they're learning how to really do health education, how to actually offer this information in a way that's very real and accessible. We also have people who are trained through the schools to actually do the practice of Ayurveda depending upon what's allowed in their states, where states that have health freedom have more opportunity to practice than those that don't. Uh, they can take their work to an, the next level and allow for some guidelines to help with lifestyle management. Then there are those practitioners that are licensed medical professionals who have been drawn to Ayurveda because they have either found that something is missing or because they find that this holistic approach actually offers them something more that they can give to their patients. They are another group that are developing and are gathering more interest within our organization as well as within the country. Debbie, what have been or are some of the challenges of introducing a 5,000-year-old medical system to Americans? I think that really the key right there is that it's 5,000 years old. Of course, what that means is that the culture from which it comes, which is the Indian culture, there's a clear understanding because they've had the opportunity to really understand that for so long and that it's become a part of their lives. When you bring it into a culture like in the American culture where we may not understand that, we may not have any elements of that routine in our lives. For example, I know that in my upbringing, I certainly was not taught in any way to sit in quiet contemplation or meditation. I was always rewarded for multitasking, always re rewarded for doing more. And so suddenly to bring in concepts that seem diametrically opposed to, in some ways, things that we in our culture have been rewarding over time is a bit of a challenge. And yet what's happened, people are finding that there's the issues of stress and their discomfort and their lack of, of real health. And that meaning that not just that there is a, a a lack of disease in their life, but actually that balance that we talked about where they feel centered and grounded and able to actually perceive life from a realistic standpoint. So as you bring in some of these ideas, there is a natural tendency to say, wait a minute, that doesn't support what I've always been rewarded for doing. How can this possibly work? But what I've always asked people to do in my practice is to take a chance, 
and try. Just take these, these concepts, take the ideas, take some of these practices, apply them in your life and see what happens. What starts to happen is as people have positive experience with it, they're more open to understanding the deeper concepts that are brought in by Ayurveda. Another thing that is, of course, a challenge is that there's the communication of language. Whether we believe we're using the same language or not, whether English is the language that we're communicating in, there's always the element of how that language is used. And whether or not we're actually connecting in that conversation, we have to be very cautious and we have to be very assured so that we're connecting with one another. And we can see that uh, as simply as with our, our English neighbors if from Britain. The words we use don't always mean the same thing. So it becomes even more dramatic for us to assure that we are communicating, that we're connecting, that we're making that clear understanding between the parties because we do come from this these different cultures, but it's doable. It is very possible. It takes patience. It takes time. It takes understanding. It takes frustration. And then it takes being able to reach out and connect with one another to make it happen. What's been the response of the mainstream medical community so far? Well, it's kind of interesting because we have seen changes. There was a point where it was not accepted at all, at least by the majority of the mainstream medical community. There was that, again, notion of, oh, this is just some kind of something magic or whatever the case may be that their thinking is trying to, to come in and disrupt the flow of this good medical practice. So that, a number of years ago, was pretty much what we had to come into as we began to to connect with the community. However, over the last few years, there has been more and more of those licensed medical professionals who have actually been willing to listen, to open up, and to, from their own personal experience, to begin to accept and treasure uh, some of the Ayurvedic concepts that are coming in. So as we actually encourage or attract more of the medical professionals, we do see a more open occurrence. We're seeing it in some of the, the hospitals. There are a number of locations across the country where the concept of complementary and alternative medical practices, of which we would accept that Ayurveda falls into at this point, where they're opening up departments and divisions that actually research that, that actually practice in that way. The University of Maryland has programs. There are divisions at many of the major universities where they actually are looking at that integration of complementary and alternative medical sources. I think that it's just going to grow from here because as more people see that there is validity to the concepts and to the, the processes, that they're more willing to actually open up and and put it to the test to actually try it, not only in their own way, but I believe we'll see an incredible amount of research that will continue to grow as we move forward with connecting with that particular community. Debbie, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about Ayurveda. It's been a pleasure.
Anyone wanting to learn more about Ayurveda should visit the official website of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association at www.ayurveda-nama.org. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back soon with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.